Chapter 20, Part A. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Charles Tausch. Organic Evolution by Richard Swan Lowell. Limbs. Webbed feet are the first natatorial adaptation, and the degree of webbing is a very variable thing. It may consist simply of lobe-like lateral expansions of skin on either side of the toes, as in the coot, or of actual connections from digit to digit. Extreme aquatic adaptation, on the other hand, implies the development of a paddle in which there is a loss of mobility of the various joints, the entire skeleton of the limb being enclosed by the skin in a single mass showing no external divisions into fingers and toes. The result is the production of a flexible paddle of great aquatic utility, but ill-adapted for coming ashore. As a further modification, the individual phalangeal bones increase in number hyperphalangeally, and, in some instances, one or more additional rows are seen, as though extra toes over the normal five had been added hyperdactyly. There is also a change in relative proportions of the various segments as in cursorial adaptation, the humerus or femur diminishing in length while the other individual bones may shorten much more, although from their increase in numbers the area represented by the digits may become very much extended. In some instances, as in a special modification, for example, in the round-headed dolphin globocephalus, while the length of two or three of the digits may be very great, the others may be much reduced. The reduction of the hind limbs with the development of the tail has been mentioned, together with their total loss externally in the aquatic mammals. Not only are their vestiges discernible in the form of the bones hidden in the flesh, but as Kuchenthal has shown, external traces Anlogen of them are visible in fetal whales, Megatera the humpback whale, on either side of the vent. Integument The modification undergone by the skin in aquatic animals is in the line of reduction of armoring, of hair, of skin glands, muscles, and nerves. Loss of armor has taken place in the ichthyosaurs, for reptiles are primitively armored, and in the wonderfully preserved specimens from holes made in Bavaria, the only remaining traces lie on the anterior edge or cutwater of the fins, and, in one specimen at least, along the mid-dorsal line from the head to and on either side of the dorsal fin. The loss of hair is characteristic of marine mammals, and the reason seems to be that whereas hair is a wonderfully good non-conductor of heat when dry, in that it retains a blanket of still air around the body, it is of little value in the water. Hence the fur seals, Otaridae, which retain more terrestrial characters than do the hair seals, Phocidae, such as the external ear and the ability to use the hind limbs for progression on land, still wear a thick undercoat of fur, the seal skin of commerce. The hair seals, with their more perfect aquatic adaptation, come ashore more rarely, and have lost the furry undercoat entirely, retaining simply the so-called contour hairs, so that their hides are valueless as fur, although used for other purposes. 
the whales and sirenians have lost all traces of hair except perhaps a few bristles around the mouth but most of them are well covered with fetal hair before birth which points to an ancestrally hairy condition in a few instances such as the white whale or beluga and the narwhal even the fetus has lost its hair thus showing the extreme of specialization as a compensation for the loss of hair the mammals have developed a layer of fat in the connective tissue beneath the skin subcutaneous tissue and this serves admirably for the retention of the bodily heat which would otherwise radiate out very rapidly into the surrounding water even with this device much heat apparently is lost for one of the greatest impediments experienced in shipping to new york porpoises caught on the coast of the carolinas was the difficulty of keeping the water in the shipping tanks and therefore the animals contained in them sufficiently cool for health this shows that the porpoises develop so great an excess of heat that a more efficient heat retaining integument is not necessary the heat excess being correlated with the high speed which these animals can attain skin glands such as sweat or oil glands have their value impaired if their secretions are continually washed away hence their reduction in aquatic animals while the thickening and immobility of the skin has resulted in the atrophy of its muscles and nerves the salivary glands of those forms which devour their food underwater are also reduced possibly because their secretions would be too largely diluted to have great digestive value and partly because the mechanical function of lubrication to aid in swallowing is subserved by water taken in with the food mouth armament except in the sea cows and walrus the jaws being no longer used for mastication but only for the prehension of relatively feeble prey have very largely lost their power so that the coronoid process and other areas for muscle attachment are reduced the teeth also suffer modification usually in the direction of simplification the increase of numbers or on the other hand total loss from one jaw sperm whale or both baleen whale in the latter instance the function of the teeth is taken by the remarkable baleen or whalebone to be described later the marine reptiles have simple prehensile teeth fitted for the retention of slippery prey except the sea turtles whose teeth had disappeared long before their aquatic adaptation began the cretaceous marine lizards or mosasaurs show a remarkable adaptation for the prehension of prey for not only were the rims of the jaws armed with slightly recurved teeth but others were borne upon the roof of the mouth as well the lower jaws instead of being firmly united together at the symphysis chin were connected by an elastic ligament and each jaw was doubly articulated with the skull through a very movable intervening bone the quadrate the most remarkable thing however was an extra joint in the mid-length of each jawbone so that it could be bowed out into a decided curve and thus as in snakes affect the swallowing of prey larger than the normal gape of the mouth the whales show a very interesting tooth gradation ancient whale-like forms zeuglodonts still had the tooth differentiation characteristic of mammals 
the cheek or molar teeth bearing many cusps arranged in longitudinal series. In the modern whales, wherein the teeth are retained, they are simple cones and are as a rule much more numerous than the normal number for a placental mammal, which is 44, 11 in each half of each jaw. In Globocephalus, the calling whale, the number may be over 100, and the dolphins, Delphinus and Inia, may have twice that number. It may be that the teeth of the possibly ancestral Zuglodonts split up into their component cusps and thus gave rise to greater simplicity and greater numbers at the same time. As we have seen, the sperm whale, Physeter, is devoid of teeth in the upper jaw, in spite of the fact that it feeds upon active cephalopods, giant squid. Monodon, the narwhal, has but a single tooth although its mate may be vestigial, in the form of a long spirally twisted tusk or horn, really a modified incisor. In the female, the horn is reduced. In the curious toothed whales, Xiphius and Hyperodon, there is but a single tooth in each mandible. The latter genus has small teeth in the upper jaw, which are also present but functionless in the former. In the baleen whales, which may possibly represent a distinct whale-like evolution from that of the toothed forms, the teeth are entirely absent except for vestiges in the embryo, which, however, never cut the gum. In their place there has been developed the remarkable baleen or whalebone. This is a horny outgrowth from the epithelium lining the mouth, and may be compared to an exaggeration of the transverse ridges on the palate characteristic of all mammals. Each piece of whalebone is triangular, attached by its base to the roof of the mouth, with the free inner margin frayed out into numerous threads which form the straining apparatus. As many as 370 blades have been counted, some of them reaching the extreme length of 13 feet in the great Greenland or right whale. When the creature feeds, it rushes through swarms of whale food or brit, pelagic organisms, which are largely pteropod mollusks. And, closing the mouth, the tongue forces the water out between the plates of whalebone and the organisms are strained out, left stranded, and subsequently swallowed. The ichthyosaurs, while as a rule well-toothed, also reduced the dentition so that in the American genus Baptanodon and the European Ophthalmosaurus, which were related if not identical, the teeth had become vestigial and functionless, although the germs were still present in the jaws. The convergence of the older ichthyosaurs toward the modern whales is thereby rendered all the more complete and certainly the diet of fish and cephalopods in the tooth forms, as the fossils waste voided from the alimentary canal in the ichthyosaurs shows, was the same in both instances. But the food of the toothless ichthyosaurs it is harder to conjecture. There is certainly no evidence of the development of anything comparable to baleen, as has been suggested. Precocity Mental precocity is as necessary in the gregarious aquatic animals as among the cursorial, and they soon show ability to keep up with the mother. 
the newborn young of whales are from one quarter to one sixth the length of the parent and a porpoise about half the length of its mother has been seen maintaining its position as readily as she at the bow of a fifteen-knot ship speed records of speed are difficult to obtain but porpoises are known to keep pace with a thirty-nine-knot torpedo boat and sheer off ahead of the craft with the utmost ease and this speed is maintained with as a rule an almost inappreciable vibration of the highly efficient propelling tail size waterborne animals exceed all others in size for the energy exhausted by terrestrial creatures in overcoming gravity may here be turned into growth force the largest recorded terrestrial animals which live are the elephants of which jumbo an african specimen had a height of eleven and one-half feet and a weight of six and one-half tons african elephants grow to thirteen feet and the great imperial elephant of the american pleistocene may have exceeded this by a foot in comparison with a sulphur bottom whale however with a length of eighty-seven feet and an equivalent weight in tons the elephant becomes insignificant the largest strictly terrestrial dinosaur tyrannosaurus reached a length of forty-seven feet and a standing height of eighteen to twenty feet the bulk of body tail and hind limbs was also great but the amphibious dinosaurs exceeded it although the disparity of size was not comparable with that of whale and elephant brontosaurus one of the most ponderous dinosaurs had a length of sixty-six feet and an estimated weight when alive of thirty-eight tons diplodocus while more slenderly proportioned was at least eighty-seven feet long and the remains of brachiosaurus from east africa tendaguru indicate an animal nearly equaling diplodocus in length and heavier than brontosaurus end of chapter twenty part a recording by charles tausch www.earbudcoach.com